Remote work has long moved beyond simply being a trend or a lifestyle. It's a natural evolution in the way we work and collaborate, a complete and vital redesign with profound positive impact for businesses, teams, and society as a whole. With it comes a work culture revolution that requires putting freedom, trust, and conscious behavior at the core of every business who wants to thrive. I'm Sarah Regalhuth, your host, and I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and expert in growing happy, high-performing remote teams. Since 2014, I've been running all my businesses remotely, and that has deeply changed who I am as a leader. I've gone from micromanaging an unhappy team, suffering high turnover and working long hours, to moving to the US, traveling roughly six months a year, and loving the shit out of my team and being constantly amazed as to what we're achieving. Join me as I dive into conversations about remote work magic, conscious culture, and the future of work with some of the most inspiring founders and leaders in the remote work space. Insights, tips, success, and failure, innovation, we share it all. Let's dive in. Welcome everyone to this episode of Conscious Culture. This week or this episode, I have an old friend, Pete Moriarty on the show. Really excited to actually have a conversation with you. We were just chatting before the show. Um, We've kind of like hung out in the same circle of people, um, been at the same conferences, the entourage that is um, a good friend of ours, Jack DeLosa in Australia. Just been connected for a long time, but um, haven't really, this will probably be the most intense conversation we've had. So I'm very excited. (laughs) Um, I would say so. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Yeah. Amazing. Tell us a little bit, Pete, about your business and um, where you're at. Sure. Uh, IT Genius uh, founded just a little over 10 years ago now. So we've done the 10-year overnight success. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we primarily help small business owners with their technology. Um, and so for some business owners, that means you know, their life is in a mess and we help them get everything in sync. So if they've got you know, files in Dropbox here and on USB drives there and they want to get it all in the cloud, in, in the Google Cloud ecosystem, we'll help them with that. And uh, for other more matured businesses and matured business owners who are doing things the, doing things the old way, uh, you know, with servers and infrastructure and, uh, you know, deeply ingrained in the Microsoft world, but want to modernize the business, uh, then we help them navigate the pathway of their team and their processes becoming more flexible. Um, again, of course, using Google technology. Uh, so we specialize in the G Suite ecosystem uh, and we're Australia's number one partner for small businesses in the Google world, which is pretty cool. Oh, that's so cool. Well done. Well, thank thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Thanks for being on the show. Obviously we're here to really just talk about, I guess, the future of work, um, conscious culture, just different ways of running things. And, um, Pete and I connected and decided to, uh, jump on this podcast together after a post I made recently where I was talking about how I'd resigned as boss. <laughs> um, and it was pretty cool. It was a couple of months ago and, or maybe, maybe not even, maybe six or eight weeks ago, I can't remember. And, you know, one day I just kind of, I woke up to do my quarterly planning and we, we run these quarterly planning. I've been doing it for 10 years and it's, it's served me so far. But I woke up this one day and I was like, shit, I just don't want to do it like that. Like, it just doesn't feel right. And I was like, these people who work for me or work with me, I should say, are like, they know what's best in their areas of the business. Like, who am I to be the one to dictate what we should be doing? And then I also had this feeling of like, why are we even going in quarterly cycles? Like, it's kind of cool, but also like some things might only take 10 days and some things might take 121 days or whatever it might be. I'm like, why are we kind of pushing it into this 90 day cycle? So 
I, I sat with it for 24 hours and then I decided to tell my team that I'm not the boss anymore. They're all the boss of themselves and they can decide what priorities they want to work on. And it's been amazing. It's been early days for me, but very, very positive so far. But Pete, you chimed in on Facebook, I think it was, and said that you did it 18 months ago. So I'm, that's what got me super curious to talk to you today. So I'd love to hear. Let's start with that. Let's start with what happened 18 months ago when you decided to resign as boss. Awesome. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks so much for the intro. It's, it's certainly an interesting conversation. Uh, there's a few things to cover there. So uh, yes, I, I did. I did resign a, about 18 months ago, um, and I guess I have the uh, the luxury that the business had spent quite a lot of time systemizing over many many years, um, mm-hmm. and so we have a um, you know a leadership and a management structure uh, in place, which means that most of the day to day operations are taken care of. Care of. However. Um, there aren't other business partners. I'm a sole director um, and I am still operationally involved in the business. Uh, you know, I don't call myself the founder or the CEO. I call myself the managing director uh, because really I am still involved in the operations of the business and I have an operational role. Um, I think what was significant about my uh, resignation in the business is I resigned from being responsible for emergencies. Mm-hmm. And I resigned from being, uh, you know, the guy to go to when there were problems um, that that had to be solved. Um, because you know, so often we're we're the, the 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 fixer or the problem solver for everything that goes wrong in the business. And just by virtue of being available all the time, it's easier for someone to bring a problem to the boss rather than you know rather than sorting it out themselves or even developing a potential solution themselves. Um, mm-hmm. And so, what I resigned from with the team was me being that guy. Uh, and uh, as it was at the time, I said to the team, look, I'm going traveling for a month. And it happened to be over the Christmas break. So we were a bit more flexible time-wise. But I said, look, I'm going traveling for a month. Um, you're not going to hear from me. Um, you know, Maybe in two weeks' time, I'll check in um, for a day and, and say hello. Uh, but apart from that, uh, you know, I really don't want you to bother me. Only call me if it's absolutely urgent. Otherwise, I want you to use your best judgment to, uh, to solve issues. And look, if there's any issue, it's going to cost the business more than $1,000 to solve. Just send me what you propose to do and I'll say yes or no and go from there. And look, the team honestly didn't bother me. I checked in after a couple of weeks and then went back to it. But the most interesting thing was after, uh, after my travel, after about um, five or six weeks of traveling, um, I, I just didn't come back. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't go back to the old way of doing things. And, uh, you know, for the last 18 months, it's been a very, very different way of doing business. Now, I've, I've, come, I've swung back a little bit in that I really put in one to two days of uh, let's say operational involvement in the business where, you know, my, my head's really wide in. I've got a couple of really key meetings that I do with key people, uh, but that's it. And the team, you know, they can't, they can't run their role if they expect to have questions answered from me five days a week. If they only get access to me once or twice a week, it means all the day-to-day stuff they're going to have to sort out themselves. I love it. And, and thank you for the clarifying that because I think it's important for people to understand. I haven't really resigned as CEO, but exactly as you say, it's just empowering my people to do more, be more, to make their own decisions, to solve their own problems. Because I, I basically realized what well, I'm not running a daycare center. Like, what do I think? These are adults who, you know, run their households, run their lives. Why am I thinking that every single thing has to come through me in the yeah. business? And I mean, I, I wasn't, I love that. Like Sorry, I think the, um, the, the, the death of the 90-day plan is really interesting um, because, you know, we, we've been super structured with that and for years and years and years we've followed the Rockefeller habits and done that. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned that we, 
still implement the 90-day plan, but I actually had the opportunity to spend a day with uh, Vern Harnish, who wrote the book, The Rockefeller Habits, and then rewrote it as Scaling Up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and spending um, a day in that presentation with him, it really solidified for me that it is not the responsibility of the business owner to come up with all the plans and all the strategies and absolutely everything. Sure, you've got to bring the magic. You've got to bring like the 3 or 5% high-level strategy of like, you know, where can we absolute win in the business? But everything else should also involve the team and especially, you know, how are things going to be implemented and what's best to be implemented in each individual area of the business, which is what you mentioned earlier. Your team know best what they need to do in their area of the business. Um, everyone just needs to work together to decide on, you know, what results do we want and then go for those. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've been Rockefeller's where I, I started with it all as well. And Vern is is um, quite amazing. I got to have a day with him as well at the EMP, the Entrepreneurial Masters Program in, in MIT. And I think I've basically just altered that one bit, which is the 90-day bit. So we've actually still got KPIs for the 90 days, like targets, but the actual priorities, we've just loosened up a little bit. So very new for us and we'll see how it goes. But so far... We've already completed a really big one, which was to um, basically we've got all of our business dashboards set up in this pretty complex and amazing Google Sheets. Um, but what our, my financial controller decided for her priority, she really wanted to put it into Clipfolio and make a visual dashboard. Well, she didn't even know what tool she was going to use. She wanted to make a visual dashboard. Within two weeks, she did it all in Clipfolio and it's done and we use it every week in our team meeting now. And I'm like, that's cool because that would have been a 90-day priority. And she would have spent 90 days doing it and we would have got the same outcome, but she's now doing another, a new priority because she was freed up to be able to do that. So just introducing a little bit more flexibility, which feels kind of cool. Um, so okay. I'm, uh, I'm curious, can I ask you a question? Oh, yeah, yeah, you can ask me a question. How many of your team are, uh, are Gen Y? Because I read an article recently, it may, it may have been Harvard Business Review, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it, it, it was talking about the gamification of business and particularly with younger teams, really wanting to have um, shorter milestones. Uh, And so uh, the article was um, actually saying that uh, pay reviews, salary reviews and performance reviews should be done every six months or even quarterly uh, because, uh, you know, young people do the grind of Pokemon or the grind of earning points in 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 an online multiplayer game and waiting, you know, a year between reviews is just not enough for them. But if you can do more frequent, shorter pay bumps and more frequent, uh, you know, kind of level ups, let's call them, um, then it's going to be much more engaging. And I like how that relates to getting rid of 90-day plans and saying, all right, well, maybe if like if there's an important initiative, let's make it a 30-day goal. Like, let's not wait the whole 90 days till it drags out. Because honestly, like, we get a bit bored of the 90-day goals when the 90 days rolls around. And we constantly have discussions of, well, should we bin them and go to one month or six weeks? Like, what's the right cadence? Uh, we haven't quite that, implemented it yet. We're still 90 days, but we're getting there. <laughs> well, that is exactly what happened to me all the time. Like, by the end of the 90 days, I was distracted, the team were distracted, we want to do something else. Um, And I think there's an element of like staying focused, which is really important. But I feel like what I've done now is meant, is kind of freed it up to be like, well, if you don't want to work on it anymore, finish it. And then we can work on something else versus wait till the 90 days is over and then we'll pick something else up. Um, But to answer your question, my whole team, I'm pretty sure, yeah, they are all millennials, including myself. Um, or Gen Y millennials, whether you're listening in America or Australia. Um, but yeah, so I do think that is definitely millennials. I mean, I used to run a business, Wealth Enhancers, which was a millennial financial planning company. And 
kind of over the years did a lot of research and working with millennials. My whole team was millennials, just understanding that they are, they are different to previous generations and they all, they want a lot of feedback and a lot of constant improvement. And this, what you're talking about here with um, continuing to review and continuing to um, have shorter timeframes and more feedback. So what we're basically doing now is I don't even have, I kind of scrapped a little bit, this kind of review structure and we just do this candid feedback all the time. So every single week in every single meeting, we can talk about what's working, what's not. We can have candid conversations and we do. Um, I'd rather, you know, issues be raised for everybody and us to work together to figure that out rather than me like having this conversation separately. And then I'm just doing coaching sessions with my team. If I feel or see that there's something that we want to work through, they can also call on me for a coaching session any, anytime they like. And we also have profit share. So I guess rather than pay reviews and bonuses, um, we're all working together to ensure that the business is profitable so that on a quarterly basis, which has got me thinking, because is that, is that still the right thing? <laughs> but at the moment on a quarterly basis, we're distributing profit. Um, to the whole team. So 10% of the profits go to the team. That's excellent. Uh, like uh, profit shares during the full, um, the full P&L of exactly everything that's going on in the business um, and literally working with the team and saying, okay, well, here's what we need to do to create more value in the business so that we can, um, you know, both create more value for our people and, you know, also of course for our customers. Uh, but in our, in our, our, our mission and our values, um, our most important value is to actually have the business as a vehicle for prosperity for our team and for our customers as well. Now it's in that order, our team first and then our customers. Amazing. I'm really interested to hear all about, um, you know, how you're working with, with that side of things and hearing that the team come first before what, you know, when you talk about this, this value of prosperity, it's the team first, that seems to be a common thread that is kind of what sparked me to do this podcast is this idea of um, if we put our teams first and we ensure the happiness of our team, the prosperity of our team, you know, does that and will that make a better company? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's, I think it's, fun, it's fundamental. It's, it's foundational. Um, I think if, you know, you, it is absolutely impossible to go out and serve other people and, unless you first have a healthy environment for your team internally, that's, it's just critical. Yes. Now, Pete, you also are a completely remote team. Is that right? We are. Yes. And have you always been since day one? No, at the start, we did the traditional thing. We had an office and staff and everything. Um, and it was actually a, a commercial decision um, for us to first uh, re-engineer the way we were doing the business. Um, and so mm -hmm. we started 10 years ago. And for the first you know, three or four years, we were doing more traditional IT services. Uh, and um, we actually started picking up customers outside of Sydney. Um, and so we decided over, uh, over a number of years, which was painful at first, but, but eventually, um, uh, you know, became uh, very, very, um, uh, you know, good strategic, strategic decision for us was to switch the business to be able to deliver remote from wherever we are. And then it was just kind of a natural progression of, oh, well, if we can deliver to our customers remotely, then, uh, then, you know, why do we need to keep coming to this office every day? And it was great for me because I was walking to the office. I, I lived a couple hundred meters away from the office. But, um, but for the team who had to jump on the train for 40 minutes, um, then, you know, that, that wasn't uh, really well suited to them. And so, um, you know, around about that time, we, we started employing uh, international team members as well. Um, so we grew out that team. 
And uh, we're now a, a 100% remote company, which is uh, pretty cool. Uh, it comes with all of the challenges of people working from home, internet connections. And, um, you know, sometimes in the Philippines, you have things like power outages. Um, but um, our, our team absolutely love it. And, and I love it as well. And a big part of what we do is helping our customers achieve the same thing. We put in technology tools that help business owners have more flexibility in where they work, have um, you know teams that are international if they would like to, and have their staff work more flexibly as well. And even if that's leaving the office a couple of hours early, picking up the kids from school, and then doing a few hours work in the afternoon, sometimes that's all the level of flexibility that a business owner or one of their employees needs. Um, but uh, but we love it. Uh, we, you know we've been in this. Uh, format for about four or five years now, I think. And, um, you know, keenly watching other businesses uh, like Atlassian and Buffer and uh, Zapier who, who all kind of do the same thing. And I, I learned, interest, uh, learned interestingly um, quite recently that Atlassian, out of their eight or nine global offices, uh, their largest office is Sydney, second largest office is uh, San Francisco, and then their number three largest office by headcount is their remote workforce. So everyone working at home, which is uh, just amazing. Yeah, I, I'm amazed by it all as well. And one of the purpose of this podcast really is to just talk to and expose all of these different size companies and stages of, of where you're at um, and, you know, who are working remotely, who are embracing new ways of being. Because I think the very exciting thing is, as you discovered kind of accidentally, I suppose, like, oh, we can deliver this stuff online. We did the same thing in financial planning back with Wealth Enhancers. We are like, oh, we could be having our meetings online. Then we're like, well, if our meetings are online, then why do we have to be in the office? And then, <laughs> then it became, why do we even have to be in Australia? <laughs> um, which is pretty cool as well because when I had financial planners, um, I had one guy who liked to spend, actually over here in Colorado, he used to spend three months a year training in Boulder because he was a cyclocross guy at the same time as doing financial planning. So that was pretty cool. And then I had another girl who spends half a year in Bali and I was like, well, there's nothing stopping you from from doing financial planning from Bali. Um, and then we had the international team supporting it. So it was, it was a pretty cool experience. And I'd love to hear, I know for myself as a founder, it's been super freeing for me. Like I have so much flexibility and freedom and the most amazing lifestyle now. Um, what have you experienced on that side? It's funny because for so many years, I had uh, put myself into the nine to five. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'd said to myself, I have to work these hours and, um, and, you know, I had this friend who, who worked in internet marketing, uh, and he was one of the entrepreneurs who worked whenever he felt like it, sometimes in the middle of the night, he, uh, he's, you know, he slept in as long as he wanted to. And, uh, I, to me, my perception of that was, okay, this person has no structure, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> like how, how on, how on earth can, you know, can this person actually do that? You know, but I was like, kind of like, you know, even putting on, um, it w- wasn't anything uh, particularly corporate, you know, it was a t-shirt and jeans, but, you know, putting on my work uniform and then uh, strolling down to the office. And uh, it really wasn't till I said I quit, which was uh, only 18 months ago, which I did it much earlier, um, that I then decided, okay, well, there's actually probably a little bit more flexibility that I can be afforded here. And, um, uh, you know, like those other uh, location independent anecdotes that you just shared, I when I, I was effectively homeless for a year, which was actually uh, actually excellent, um, and so I had a base in Sydney, which was the office. Um, and then from there, I, I travelled around. You know, I spent a, a couple of months in the Philippines, where most of my team are from. Um, I spent a couple of months in a mountain town in uh, country Victoria called Bright, uh, four wheel driving and mountain biking every day. 
Um, and, uh, you know, tra- t- took my, I- I'm a, a road cyclist. I do a little bit of that. So I took my bike to Hong Kong and cycled all around Hong Kong. Um, and so I had all these awesome, uh, you know, experiences and, and, you know, enjoyed the flexibility. Um, I then started asking myself, well, if, if there was somewhere in the world where I would want to live and make my home, where would that be? If I had all the choice in the world, where would that be? And I, I settled on uh, Burley Heads up on the Gold Coast because it's um, still in Australia and one hour flight from Sydney where most of my family are, which is pretty cool. But um, being able to travel so much has been really awesome. I think the most important thing though was the mindset change of, uh, you know, you don't have to be in a particular place to do your work. And, um, and you should be, you know, again, and I talk about this so much with our customers around systemization and, and, you know, getting their businesses flowing better without them and flowing more flexibly, you've got to work on just the high value tasks. So when, when can you have the most high value time for your team? When can you have the most high value time for your business? And for me, that's doing a few regular meetings with my team on a, on a solid routine on a Wednesday and on a Thursday. So that's, that's my routine. Yes, it's still kind of set hours because I work better that way. Um, but it really, really works for me. But it means on a Monday, I can sleep in. Uh, you know, and yeah. Monday afternoon, I might check my work chat on you know, using Hangouts and the team will have, you know, let me know if there's any emergencies or anything they want my feedback on. Um, but apart from that, um, you know, my week is going to be set on what my strategic tasks are, which is pretty groovy. Yeah, I love that. And I do the same thing. We have an all-company meeting, uh, which for me is Wednesday nights, actually tonight. Um, uh, sorry, I moved it. It's Tuesday here. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> point being, <laughs> point being I, I have our all-company meeting, which is once a week, and it's the only meeting and the only time that you know everyone just has to be online at that time. The rest of the week, you know, teams have certain teams have certain meetings and things like that. Um, but for the most part, you know, I trust everyone and empower everyone to just work and, and myself included, just work the hours that I want. But I think it's what's worked for us really well is having that FaceTime every single week. We talk a lot and chat a lot every single day, all day. We use Basecamp um, in our business. Uh, we used to have Slack, but Basecamp introduced the chat and ping functions. And now we just use that, which is great. Um, but yeah, that once a week meeting really serves us to have that FaceTime on Zoom where we all get to see each other and hang out for a bit. Um, and it, But I don't mind. People can turn up, whatever. Like if they're at the hairdresser or that they're at yoga or they're, well, not at yoga, but about to go to yoga or whatever it might yeah. be, or so, they're in bed, it's fine. As long as they're on that meeting, that's our one our one meeting a week that we need to get on the same. Page. Yeah, so so I'm curious then on on your perception of your own business uh, as a as a lifestyle business or a performance business uh, because you know I've had I've had plenty of mentors say well you've either got a lifestyle business or you've got a performance business you can't have you know you can't have both and um, you know I don't have um, external investors in our business we've we've bootstrapped it and, and grown it up we've you know raised plenty of capital and borrowed plenty of money but um, um, you know thankfully the the pie is still mine for now. Um, I'm curious how you see the business in that respect and um, if that flexibility makes it not a serious business, quote unquote. Oh, that's a curious point. Um, I definitely think it's a serious business, but I have a great (laughs) lifestyle. So there you go. I don't know. I I definitely... A seriously great business. (laughs) It is. It's amazing. But maybe is that the point that now we can actually genuinely have both? Like I have huge ambitions for this company. I'm actually raising money right now. Grow My Team is the company I'm referring to. I've been talking a little bit about wealth enhancers on this show just because um, there was my experience. That was where my experience started in transitioning to remote. Grow My Team is founded in 2014 and we've been remote the entire time. There was no transition for us. We've always been remote. Yeah. yeah um, but I went through the transition as a founder uh, with my other companies. So 
Yeah. But I think that's really interesting because I, yeah, I definitely don't see it as like a lifestyle business, something on the side or something that I'm not engaged in. Like I'm very engaged. And as I said earlier, making my joke about kind of resigning as boss, I'm still very much the CEO, the leader, the visionary, the strategist, all of those things. I'm working on this company every single day. Um, but it, it definitely brings me a great lifestyle in that I can do it from wherever I want to be. I was in Breckenridge, which is a town 30 minutes from Keystone where I live over the weekend. And I mean, I work most days still because I enjoy my work, I suppose. That's one of the other things, the flexibility sides for me that I like is I kind of like working. So I, I try, ultimately, I like to just do a little bit every day or a lot every, or once some days. Like it doesn't really matter to me how many hours I do this day or that day, but I just kind of like always have my finger on it and always just seeing what's going on. And the weekends are kind of cool because it's less um, chit chat going on from everyone else and clients and all of that. So I can do a little bit more thinking time, a little bit more planning and strategizing, but I can do it from wherever. So I was in Breckenridge with friends over the weekend and had my laptop and still working from there. And you know, I've got trips to Cambodia and trips to all over the place coming up this year, but I just work wherever I go. So it is amazing lifestyle from that perspective, but I definitely wouldn't call it a lifestyle business in that old way of, of framing that. Yeah. What about so, you? Are you? So you're, so you're, you're okay to be the, uh, you're okay to be the, the, the do a little bit of work every day, but not necessarily a full day's work every day entrepreneur. I think I'm, I used to work a lot of hours. Um, like when you said you used to do the nine to five, I, I, I was going to ask you, was it really nine to five or was it more like seven to 10? Oh, it, wasn't in the, it wasn't in the early years, yeah. but uh, it eventually slowed down to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I do work for the bulk of most days, but I just do it on my time frame. Like I, one thing I don't like is setting an alarm in the morning. So I wake up when I want, which tends to be fairly early. I agree. Yeah, it's great. And then I, I get up and I do my meditation and my journaling and the things that I do in my morning ritual and I go to yoga and then I come back and start working. But mm. I love the freedom that somebody could say to me, especially in winter, like, do you want to go for a ski on Wednesday afternoon? And I can be like, yes, I do. That's fine. And I just manage myself around... Um, what I need to do and what I need to achieve each week um, and the hours that I want to work. And some days I'll work long hours and other days I'll work short. But um, I prefer as well to tap into my energy flow. Like rather than sitting in my computer all day, just staring at, staring at it, I'd rather like feel really motivated. And what I can get out of myself in two hours when I'm motivated sometimes could be eight hours if I wasn't motivated. Yeah, you're very much, very much an entrepreneur in flow. Um, one of the things that I spend a lot of time thinking about is, uh, you know, the the aside from founder um, health and uh, and flow is uh, is team health. Uh, mm. You know, how how can the team be productive? Uh, you know, what's what's the best way for them to interact? Because in a in a remote company, and you know, we've got twenty five staff now, um, and everyone working from home. From time to time, the team will uh, maybe work from a co working space. Um, but I, I was fascinated by the concept um, that I heard of a couple of years ago of like shared working spaces and the concept of um, if the future of work is remote, uh, but people still want to work in a workplace, then they might go to a co-working space and co-work with other 
workers, but those workers are not part of their company. They're part of other companies. Um, and so rather than you doing a one hour commute, maybe you do a five or a 10 minute commute to like, you know, your, your local office, kind of like the local shops, but it's, it's the local workspace. You sit down and your coworkers are people you build bonds with who are not in your company. And I, I always thought that that idea was like really, really cool and really interesting. And I think there's probably already a grassroots movement of that with uh, digital nomads working out of co-working spaces um, all over the world. Um, but, you know, I, I'm curious, what's your opinion on the, on the you know, the, the benefit and the value of face-to-face time and how often do you invest in that? Um, because for us, we've, we've had face-to-face meetings with our whole team where we fly everyone into one city and, you know, spend a weekend together on social time and, um, you know, some training and some, you know, strategy and that kind of stuff. Um, we've done it as frequently as once a quarter. Um, and we've actually, you know, dropped that down now to once a year, partly because of the cost of doing that. Uh, but also because we've um, kind of changed up the model and done local meetups with our team. So once a month, um, they're meeting up with people who are close-ish to them, you know, maybe in the same city and having a dinner um, and kind of ticking the box for that social time. Uh, what, do, what do you guys do there? Because I think that's, that's a hot topic. Uh, we have a lot of customers asking us about that. How many times, you know, should I get the whole team together for a meetup um, and how frequently should we make that happen? Yeah, my, I mean, I think FaceTime is important and valuable and amazing. Uh, in the history of Grow My Team, we've had one international bring everyone together because mm. we just haven't had the budget. Like we're a small kind of growing startup where now that I'm in full-time as founder, it was a side, a side business for me up until the 1st of January this year, 2019. So yep. now that I'm stepped in as founder, we're raising money, we're growing, you know, most of my energy is going to this company versus anything else. I would love to make that an annual thing. That's what my goal is for the company. Um, the time that we did do it, it was amazing. But that being said, this company has survived and thrived um, for five years without it. Um, so, you know, I think it's important. I don't think it's you must have it, but I'd, I'd love to, in a perfect world, have it. And I will have that starting from... We're looking to do our first one in January next year. Awesome. Um, our team is all over the place. Like none of them are in the same city. So there's (laughs) not much opportunity for even the the few that are together to get together. Um, But you know what I really, I love what you were saying about co-working and all that. And what I'm really leaning into is individual, how does each individual in the team thrive and giving them that choice? So Mm, if, if you're someone who really misses that social element, that, that in, in-person social element, then absolutely be in a co-working space. Uh, you know, my Pam, who is, um, she worked with me for eight years as my kind of integrator, if you're familiar with the EOS operating system of business or general yep. manager kind of thing. Um, and she's now works with, she consults to my, to grow my team now in our operations you know, she hates working in an office. She's like, I don't want to be around the people. Like I want to be at home with my cat and I want to work on all of our operations and all of our operational efficiencies and build systems and processes and just be left alone. Um, so why should I force her to be somewhere with other people when she's clearly telling me like, I don't thrive that way? Like, Likewise, why would I make someone work from home if, if a co-working space or whatever is better? I also think there's everything in between. Like for myself, I get pretty bored and lonely when I've, you know, sometimes I'm, my, my house is in the mountains. 
surrounded by trees. And I don't know too many people in my local community because I kind of like to hermit when I'm here, but I'll be here for a week and I'll be like, shit, I have not spoken. Like in per- <laughs> I've not like seen another human for a week. I need to get out. So I'll do things like go work from a coffee shop and just sitting in the energy of other people is enough for me. I don't even necessarily need to speak to them, but just a change of scenery or whatever. And we talk about that a lot within our team is like, how are you going to thrive this week? How are you going to thrive today? And I think giving that ultimate flexibility to everyone, that that's really working for us, that everyone's empowered to be, where is the best place for them to work for that day? Yeah, I totally get that. I think um, going remote with your team, you're immediately going to have some kind of, um, uh, I, I, I don't want to call it a deficit, but um, you, you're going to have to manage potential isolation because those that that really do need the support of, uh, you know, being around someone else needs some way of doing that. Um, I love the idea of, you know, people going to a co-working space to get that. That's awesome. Um, for me personally, I, like I, um, I did drama in primary school and, um, I got taught how to project my voice, but never how to switch it off. So, <laughs> so I, I'm so loud that I literally have to have my own space in my own office. Um, and, uh, you know, otherwise other people just can't work. So I can never work in a co-working space, mm-hmm. uh, because it, that just doesn't work for me. So home is great. Um, but I end up, you know, at home for two or three days and I haven't left the house and I just go cuckoo. Yeah. Uh, so how, you know, I've got to force myself to every day, even if it's a five or a 10 minute walk, um, you know, just get out there and, you know, lucky me now I live at the beach. So, um, that's really nice when, uh, when it's not freezing cold in winter as it is at the moment. Um, but, um, that that's so important to manage for your team as well, because, um, for us, we've had many team members who've come from corporate, um, or they've come from other businesses and all of a sudden they're working at home and they haven't really, um, you know, developed that skill of how do I look after myself working from home? Um, and that might be that they stay up too late doing their emails or, uh, or checking tasks in, uh, you know, Asana or Basecamp or whatever you're using, or they spend their weekends, uh, you know, stressing about work because they're using the same computer uh, that they use for all their work stuff. And so some of the, you know, the really small tweaks that you can make, are, you know, like going for the daily walk, getting out of the house, that's number one. That's really important. Um, number two would be setting up a separate profile on your computer for work time and personal time. Um, so work time, you know, you, you've got your, all your, your work profile and your Google accounts and, you know, for Chrome and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but the personal profile is where you go for, you know, downloading movies and, um, you know, like, uh, browsing Facebook and all, all, you know, all that other kind of junk that you want to waste your time on, uh, but have two very distinct modes of I'm in work mode or I'm in home mode. Um, and then one of the other things I really like is the, uh, the, you know, the 15 or the 30 minute debrief. If you've got a partner in your life, um, that's really great because after you finish the work day, usually what you would do is, you know, maybe you go for a drink or for a coffee with workmates or, you, you know, maybe you jump on, um, you know, a trainer in your car for 30 minutes and you get that buffer time between work time and home time. Uh, but if you're, you know, if you're working from home and you immediately go from your, uh, your workplace to then home mode, your brain's still kind of in work mode. Um, and so, you know, whether it's having a glass of wine or, uh, you know, or, or a glass of kombucha with your partner and having that kind of debrief at the end of the day, 15, 20 minutes, um, that's enough to kind of go, okay, I've like got all the work stuff out of my system. Now I can be conscious and present as a, uh, you know, as a, as a partner and, and, and in my personal life. Those are really fantastic practical tips. Thank you so much. Do you, so do you, have you developed kind of a process to talk your team through that and, and regularly maybe, because I know people sometimes forget as well. Like sometimes we have to say things on repeat to our team and you're adding new team members in. Have you got a bit of a, a system or a process for, 
holding that space for your it's, team and sharing uh, that with them? It's it's not su- it's not super formal, um, but the 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 indoctrination of our newbies into mm-hmm. remote work is super important for us. Um, in our business, we've got uh, you know some people who have worked from home for five, six, seven years, um, and then we've got others who have literally just stepped out of a corporate role and now they're sitting in their bedroom going, "What the hell am I?" <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know what's going on here is this is this even a real thing is this even a real job so um you know having to i mean look we go through all of all the technical stuff is like is your workplace healthy is your you know have you got a a good desk and chair um you know is your is your monitor aligned properly all of those kind of workplace ergonomic things which are super important because that can affect your physical health um but my my way of coaching and helping our newbies is um i actually have a fortnightly catch up with our, with our newbies in the company. So anyone who's been in the company less than six months, they have a newbie catch up with the founder. Um, one of those things that as you grow and scale your company to lots and lots of staff and you put in middle management, you start to lose that connection with everyone in the business. And the problem that I wanted to solve was um, you know, the newbies in the business not really having much personal interaction with me apart from our, our um, fortnightly all hands. Uh, and uh, you know, we just never really got a chance to um, build a relationship. Uh, and it's not just about me being liked by the team. Uh, you know, we, we wanted to actually make sure that everyone was, was really comfortable with everyone in the company, including the, uh, the director. So, um, so that newbies catch up as well as, you know, talking shit and, um, and just kind of like having a bit of a social catch up is about, Hey, how are you doing working at home? How's the, you know, how's that transition going for you? What challenges are coming up? Uh, where is your energy high? Where is your energy low? What are you loving? What are you not loving? How's your partner handling it? Um, you know, all of those kind of things just to uh, make sure our team are healthy and happy. Well, that's amazing as well. Thank you for sharing that. I really like it and I can relate to um, that what happened at Wealth Enhancers as we got bigger as I had, you know, there were team members that I'd barely even talked to um, yeah. because the team was just at that size where I wasn't even involved in their hiring anymore. So yep. thank you for that. It's a good reminder because growing my team is still where we're a lean little fighting machines. So it'll be, um, I like that idea. I think I'll probably implement that as we, as we move forward, because I think that connection with the founder also, um, creates like a safe space for them. Um, and they know that they can reach out if they ever need to, as the company's getting bigger. So I like that a lot. Yeah, totally. And the, and the other thing is the indoctrination of company values and culture. Uh, it's so important for you as the founder to, keep tabs on the company culture and the values. And there's, there's things that you've told to your team and they've told to their underlings, you know, if you start putting in layers of management uh, and, you know, things get, get sent down the line, but sometimes it ends up a little bit like Chinese whispers. Um, and so when people come on board, um, getting them to really know your personality and, uh, and what works for you is uh, is great and look we don't talk about work in any of those um newbie meetups it's all like it's icebreakers and we're having fun and you know we we fired up the google um uh, jam board which you can just um run in the web and uh, we had a drawing competition uh last session where we had to you had to draw one of the colleagues based on their characteristics and then uh you know we had a competition with uh, whoever was the, whoever was the fastest to guess it got some uh, i don't know internet points i don't think we handed out any actual prizes but um you know fun stuff like that where we're connecting and uh, and i'm able to keep tabs on the newbies um you know to make sure that they're successful and uh as you said have them have a safe space to ask questions and get support as well well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all those practical tips right at the end there. I think that's very uh, useful for our listeners. A lot of people 
a kind of, I, I wanted to create this podcast because I think there are just so many founders out there who know this is the direction they want to go to um, and go down, but they're nervous because it's new, it's different, it's a different way of operating and knowing where to start and some of these practical things for how to make it work. I was very much like that myself. I was very scared um, until, and just, just unsure. And I hired that first remote staff member and my eyes just, and my whole world opened up to what was possible. <laughs> and the shift kind of happened pretty quickly after that. But, but yeah, there was just a lot of questions because when you're so used to operating in a space together, it's hard to imagine how we do those things virtually. But as you and I both know, it's very possible. So thank you so much for all of those practical tips. Thank you for sharing everything today. I really appreciate it. Um, and just appreciate the discussion all around. It's been great. Lots of learning for me as well. I'm very happy to help out. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, I think for anyone listening, if it seems daunting, um, you know, hearing about businesses that are completely 100% remote, um, the way that I think about our business is that, you know, we are on the, the bleeding edge, certainly. Uh, you know, we're, we're very much in the early adopters and innovators uh, stage of the product life cycle, uh, let's call it, of remote working. Uh, but what we aim to do with our customers is um, because we, you know, we, we set up the technical side of making all of this happen, whether it's task management, um, you know, file storage, communication tools, train you how to use them, train your team how to use them. And you know, if you need some light coaching on how to make it work, we can help with that. But we're really focused on the, the technical side of things. What we aim to do is if we're right on the bleeding edge, maybe we can inspire you to change 10 or 20%. Um, so if right now you've got an office and you've got all your staff going there, well, then maybe we can inspire you to work from uh, home a couple of days a week. If you've got team members who you want to um, hire internationally or you want to grow out that team, um, then you know you don't necessarily have to have everybody working at home from day one and you know you giving up your house and strap it on a backpack and <laughs> you know going homeless <laughs> for a couple of years like sure you can do that if you want but um, you know maybe you just want to try testing the water and you know make some small changes and some small tweaks um, it's it's all possible so um, you know if you need support then then there's people out there to support you and make it happen yeah it's definitely a transition and I think the what you do as a business, the services you provide could be super useful to our listeners. Um, there definitely is, you know, with Grow My Team, we're often working, well, actually for the most part, we're working with businesses who are, it's their first time. They're just getting set up to go remote, to start, to put one team member on and see how it goes. And with that, there often is some tweaks that need to happen with their technology, with their systems and processes. So we will have all of your links and ways for everyone to contact you in the show notes. Um, if there's anything that you want to throw out now, do you, I don't know if you have a link right now that you want to. Yeah, look, the easiest way to get in touch with us is head to itgenius.com. Um, just Google us and you'll find us. Um, we've got a great YouTube channel uh, if you want to check out what's going on in the Google world and you know get a little bit more of a feel of, of what we do and the kind of things that we're interested in. Uh, but if you reach out to our team, our concierge team are amazing. Uh, and just mention that you heard from us on this podcast um, and they will make sure that you are well looked after. But the link there is itgenius.com. Fantastic. And I love that because I am so intrigued and interested in what you're doing culturally as a business. I hadn't even thought about the fact that, you know, your business actually can help other people do it, which is super cool. So thank you so much. Really appreciate you. Kate. No worries, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me on. Bonus material. So the number one the biggest mindset shift that I had when thinking about taking my team and my company remote and, and, and very specifically not having an office uh, came from a friend of mine, Carl. 
And uh, it, it, it was in the context of hiring in the Philippines where there's 100 million people. And he said, Pete, if you set up an office in one city of a million people, you are restricting yourself to 1% of the talent pool. Uh, and I, and that, just, that just blew my mind. I could never go back after hearing that. Uh, it, was, it was just impossible to go back to before that moment. Um, and so that really, really like just switched for me the thinking that, wow, I'm just, I'm killing myself and I'm killing my business if I think that it's a good idea to restrict myself to one place. Um, mm. And then, you know, eventually that was more broadly expanded to, well, let's not just think about one country, you know, let's think about and be open to anywhere in the world. The entire um, world. Someone, yeah. yeah someone, someone bringing on staff in different places. And, and one of my friends, Joyce, has a video production business. Now, the, the business is um, uh, <clears throat> primarily based in Australia and um, she'll go out and shoot for a day. Uh, she'll throw all of the, um, the video files into a, uh, into a Google Drive folder and that gets shot over to Ukraine, which... Uh, who knows? Who knows how? But Ukraine have an excellent fiber network, uh, and her editors are there who actually edit everything and send it back. Now, the the uh, the arbitrage of the different time zones means that she's getting first edits and first drafts on video editing back to her customers the next day. Now, how can an, how can another Australian business? possibly compete with that. Um, you know, when they've got all of their, their editors sitting, <laughs> sitting there in an office and they have to wait till the next day and, uh, you know, smash through all the video files. I mean, it's, the business is called New Heights Media. It's, it's excellent. Um, but uh, there's just so, so many creative ways of uh, not only getting access to different talent, but also um, just building a better and more exciting business for your customers too. That's such a good point. Like some of our clients one of the common hesitations is, oh, but what if someone's not on my time zone and I need them to be, you know, working? And and I agree, like we need overlap, we need communication, we need to figure all that out. But the point that you might be missing is that your business could start operating in a much more 24-7 fashion. You could be turning things around faster by having someone not on your time zone, which is pretty cool as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, personally, we haven't explored that much with that ourselves um, because we're primarily servicing um, Asia Pacific, uh, you know, Australian time zones. But um, we're you know looking into acquisition opportunities in the US, um, and so that's really the the next market for us, uh, which would have a nice uh, a nice kind of like overlap. Uh, but you know, then then you've got the kind of uh, fun things that happen with time zones. Like I'm planning some travel in the U S and every time I travel in the U S I can get whatever I want done during the day and, and enjoy my day. And then in the afternoon there, after my activities are done, then, uh, you know, my customers, my team start coming online for the, for the Australian business hours, as long as you're on the West coast, of course. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's some interesting ways of working. And, and one of our customers, uh, went to, uh, France. He took his whole family to France for the year. So we, implemented G Suite and Google Cloud for them and another product we sell called Dialpad, which is a cloud-based phone system so you can make phone calls from anywhere in the world. They took their whole family to France for a year, put their kids in school, traveled around. Um, now, he was admittedly getting up at, I think, 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to um, start work. But by 9 or 10 a.m., he was done and they had the whole day and the whole evening together. He had to go to bed early. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with the, with the young family, it was just absolutely awesome for them. So cool. So many possibilities. And I think so much of it is just figuring out what you want as a founder and um, knowing that that's possible. You can create that for yourself. Absolutely. I think that's a good principle for life, you know, deciding what you want Mm -hmm. and then going and getting it. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Conscious Culture, The Evolution of Work. Follow us as we further explore real stories of remote companies and the thriving cultures they are creating. To stay updated with all our episodes, subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcasting app. In the show notes of each episode, you'll find some of our favorite remote work and culture resources. However, if you want to have a chat about remote work, how it's done and how it can benefit your company, feel free to reach out to me directly anytime. My email address is sarah at growmyteam.com.au.